Welcome to the Apprentice One to One podcast. I'm your host, Mark Allison, and on this episode, we've got two very special guests, um, two industry stars, and big helps to the Apprentice One to One movement, if that's what we're going to call it, over the last few months. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't be sat here even doing this podcast if it weren't for these two guys because they've they've given me great confidence to come on and speak on things like this. It was something I would never have done. So I want to thank them right at the very beginning of this for for helping me um, move along that journey. Certainly, um, on initially on EGTE, uh, they've also both given countless time in tech support for editing, um, business advice, and just friendship. I've made friends with these guys through um, the course of speaking on these podcasts. And so, without further ado. The first one who um, opened my eyes to where Apprentice One could go um, into a much bigger scale is uh, Apprentice Trained, perhaps a, an older entrant than you might normally find, a YouTube sensation, Electrician of the Year for 2019, and Day to Day Spark, Ricky Howell. I, and, I definitely thought Neil was coming first. Yeah, no, it's not. We, we, we tried that. I thought, it's like, why is he trusting Neil first? Uh, that's you. And <laughs> alongside him, we've got the real industry standard setter, business guru, huge apprentice one-to-one supporter. He set loads of his own time aside trying to get an app developed early on with apprentice one-to-one that never ended up happening. But even so, uh, he jumped out with the gym on one occasion to chat for an hour um, with these developers. Uh, He's the Chartered Manager and Fellow of the Chartered Management Institute, podcasting superstar, managing director of UK's Rail, Neil Bridgman. How are you both this evening, gents? I feel like it needs to be a fanfare, like... Yeah, yeah that, was, that was such a good intro. Thank you very much. Pleasure yeah, to be it's here. Just, it's going to be a little, a little party, but blower. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little one of pop. I wish I had one. You can guarantee it. <laughs> How are you, both gentlemen? Anyway, how are you doing? Yeah, a bit out of yeah. breath for running around trying to make this. <laughs> Turning up late. I feel like he says running, but it was 20 minutes late, so at best it was a, it was a slow walk, wasn't it? Let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's be a lot of swearing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you both made it. That's the main thing. So we'll have a little journey through the apprenticeship system on this one. We're going to focus down onto it and um, try and try and chat about both of your experiences and where you are now um, in your careers and helping apprentices. So we'll, we'll start with, um, with Ricky. Um, how did you come into the trade to start with, mate? What was your your journey in? Because I think from looking back on your LinkedIn profile, did you kind of get into get into the apprenticeship system around ten years ago? Now was it, or a little bit longer? That's, that's right, mate. Yeah. So I'll keep it short because this story's been told so many times. But yeah. I fell into it. I was twenty five. Um, my my ex, her dad knew someone who was down the pub drinking, and this guy, my ex governor. He's a bit of a talker, a bit of a cigar lifestyle man, giving it all the old, yeah, we're, we're desperate. Oh, we've got so much work on, so much. We're desperate for blokes. We're desperate for blokes. So, well, you know, my um, my daughter's boyfriend at the time, you know, he's looking for a bit of work. You sort him out? He went, yeah, 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 yeah. He'd sort him out? Yeah, no worries, yeah. He went, all right, he lives down the end of this road. I called me up. I was three doors down from the pub. <laughs> <laughs> went in. Yeah, oh, oh, I don't like talking business at the pub, he said. <laughs> You've been talking about it all night. But anyway, that's how, literally how I got the first start in it. Um, then I met my, what was to be my mentor the first day, Sooty. 
Um, I was there to unload and load up the vans. That was my job, you know, enough to do being an electrician. Um, he sent me a couple of tasks. See, I was at half a brain cell, you know, and then I got an apprenticeship, grabbed them both hands. Um, took five years instead of four because JTL like, swung me about a little bit on the fourth year. Didn't have no one assessing me MVQ work, so I had to wait around. Common story, um, that, mate. Yeah, exactly. So it took me, took me five years instead of four. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was sort of last chance saloon for me. Well, you know, if I didn't make it, I was working in Sainsbury's before that. Yeah. Um, just make ends meet, I had a couple of kids. And before that, I was an asbestos supervisor, which um, great money when you're a young man, but certainly not a, um, a life career, I'd say, unless you want to die very early. Um, so yeah, here we are, qualified 30, 34 now. So yeah, 10 years next June, I think it is officially. Brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that was quite a mile away, in yeah. Yeah, nice one. Um, what about you, Neil? When did when did you first start off in this game? I come um, straight out of school, uh, so it's probably the same now. I think it's probably been the same uh, always. That, that if he wasn't very academic, he was pushed towards trade. Um, I, I wasn't very academic. I certainly weren't the sort of person that would toe the line and play by the rules. Always push against, which is a common thing that seemed to have followed my life. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I went straight into what was then the, um, the YTS system. Mark, you probably would have re- would recognize yes. that, which was for yes. those who don't know, is the youth training scheme. Which was, um, I suppose, that was was that how all, all apprenticeships were done for a, y- a YTS scheme back in the day, wouldn't they? We're talking. So I'm 38. So when I was 16, 17, this was the YTS scheme, and, and it was. Um, I remember, do you remember get, ever getting... How old are you, Ricky? Sorry, mate, I was muted. 34. 34. Mm. Um, so you did you get a, a career's advice, a little leaflet from school after you left? And I remember yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But, you, you know, for me, I did. I weren't at school for the last two years. Like, I, mm. I never... Not, you know, it was a long story was that I got, I got bullied quite badly in school, which obviously people still don't believe me when I tell them, but I did. I never stuck up for myself. Last two years, it was too much for me, so I, you know I never went. So yeah. I didn't have one. Well, in, um, in Romford, but... there was a, a careers office. And I used to go down there and they used to give you obviously way before emails and all that sort of malarkey, and they used to give you a leaflet. And it was I still remember it. It was like um, a sky blue in colour, and it would be in there. And there'd be placements. That was called cool. placements for people leaving school. And I, I went for one at da- uh, Dagnum Falls, Falls in Dagnum in East London. Uh, and I thought I was going to become a motor, a motor like a wiring into the cars. That's what I honestly thought I was going to be doing. But it was this YTS scheme and Falls in Dagnum had, um, had, had, had let the YTS, uh, the, the, the company running the YTS, have loaded their buildings to teach the trades. There was brickies, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, all learning, all doing their MVQs, etc. And... Um, <clears throat> So I was 16 at a time, and that was a paid scheme. So once you, once you joined the YTS scheme, it was paid. Uh, my, 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 for between the age of 16 and 17, a week's wages for me was £30 a week, five days a week, 35 hours. That was it. And I remember, plus your expenses. And my expenses, my bus ticket was more, more than my wages. <laughs> so when you got that, you was like, ooh, my big, big bank, 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 bank balance. Uh, and then when I turned 17, it went up to £35 a week. You know, okay. um, so you get these um, you get these youngsters now that are sort of uh, four, five pound an hour. It's um, a hell of a lot more, and that, this is not even that long ago. I'm 38. I'm not 68. You know, yeah. I'm 38. Um, so then a local company used to come down. They used to pick out uh, the, the tutors would give 
some um, some local companies, some names that thought were good fit. And this company called Nomico Electrical that is also based in Dagenham. A guy called John Briggs um, come down. And he, no, sorry, it was Norman. It was his partner come down and gave some interviews. And it was very much sort of safety questions because we were we were seventeen years old. We didn't know now, really. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, this um, this other kid, Ricardo, got the placements, and um, he didn't finish his apprenticeship. He, he went on to do something else. It wasn't for him. But yeah, I stayed with that company. Doing most, mostly uh, new builds around around London, the surrounding areas, and new builds is a fantastic way to to, to learn on an apprenticeship because you see the the full depth and breadth of a, an installation, and you get quite you get the not just the flats or the houses, but especially with the flats, you get the uh, the communal areas, the SWAs, the intake rooms. So it's a really really good good place to learn, and uh, I stayed in there till I till I qualified, and uh, as as a lot of electrician uh, apprentices do think instant double your money is the way to go um <laughs> but that was a short hard hard journey after that but yeah i had a, I had a, I had a cracking apprenticeship or a cracking employer and I was, I was very 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 lucky that's good to hear and um it, it's turned out well for you now mate because you've got your, your own business there with apprentices working in it i believe don't you you actually employ apprentices right now yeah i've got two two young lads on there that was in the last year and um trying to start their mvq uh but but as has been said, how many times I don't know. The gold card is not the end. They'll be uh, they'll, they'll be getting their gold card soon, but they've got so much to learn. And 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 in terms of expectation management for them, that's what I'm trying to do. Is that they've been exposed to some good quality work and a, a vast array of work. Uh, but yeah, would, would are they likely to go out on their own? Um, yeah, they will. They will go out on their own, but they'll they'll need to be monitored, supervised continuously, but more distance supervised. You know, yeah. Um, because it's important that when you're dealing with safety and, and especially on the railway I work, that everything is 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 cracking and where it should be. But yeah, yeah. So and hopefully, hopefully this year, or won't be this year now, but next year, uh, we'll have another one to add to the mix. No, that's brilliant, sir. And and you've been um, out supervising some apprentices of late, haven't you, yourself, Rick, with um, your company? I've seen the the picture of the gentleman on Instagram with a beard even bigger than yours. He's impressive enough just for that. He's but, a good-looking boy, and he's a good-looking chap. He day. is. He is. So how, how, would you, how would you find that, actually, like mentoring someone close up on a day-to-day basis? Because it's not just kind of teaching them the electrical game, is it? There's all the other bits with it, dealing with customers and, and things like that, is it? Is it some of it? Yeah. To be honest, Marcus, the only chance I get to look like I know what I'm, what I'm doing, to be honest with <laughs> you. I work with anyone else that's qualified, it goes downhill. Uh, no, no, honestly, mate, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I've always enjoyed teaching people. Um, you know, it's um, in Jamie's case, he got to, it says a year two apprentice, and um, he wasn't, the blokes weren't in to do anything. You know, so you spend a week with me, we end up spending two weeks with me. So you met up having for a week and then swap around. Um, it used to be monthly because we've spoke about it. How we Alan should someone have an apprentice for a week's way too short, like a week. You're just getting started and he's gone again. Yeah. Um, but the reason, obviously, he was going with some some people for a month, and he weren't doing no work for a month. So he said, I've, "I've got to change it to weekly." And then at least then, when I go with certain people, it's only a week I'm not doing no work, you know. Um, which at the time was was the only answer they had. You know, so now I'm looking to step up to a QS position and take over a bit of apprentice stuff and be looking at different ways to, to deal with it, you know? Um, but yeah, I've, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but he's, he's, I don't have to do no work, do I? Let's just be honest, if you're a spark <laughs> in, in my instance, he, he does, I did pick up a towel all week. 
yeah. Um, that, that's something that, that a lot of the apprentices have said to me, actually, that through their their mentors, if you like, it's getting them, it's giving them the opportunity to do stuff. They seem to spend a lot of time watching. And I guess when it's your own business, if you're talking about a really small employer, then giving up that control to someone else to actually let them start doing doing tasks, you know, it's maybe not the easiest thing in the world. So to where you're willing to give people that opportunity and actually stand back and watch yeah. them and mentor them in that way is a good thing, I think. And I think you've got to mention not my company. You know, we, we work on a social housing contract, yeah. so the work isn't massively Wish not like you, Neil, when you're working on a railway where you might have the client breathing over your shoulder. We well, ain't, yeah. I ain't got to know where I am, you know, well, so I've not got a I've not got to be eyes on, make sure he's doing everything right. Um, I've just got to make sure he's he done electrocute himself. Um, and that he knows what he's doing, and that's what we sort of done with we've like we created a portfolio for him there because no one knew where he was at. No one knows, knows what he can do, what he can't do, what experience he's got in this, what experience he's got in that. And um, I sort of laid it out now. So you do you do the job three times supervised, then you do it twice unsupervised, where someone will come and check your work. And then the last time you do it, the QS will be with you. You know, he'll check your work, make sure you've got the technical knowledge, you sign it off, and then you can do that job. Um, and obviously in social housing, it's like changing a pendant, installing a fan, installing a shower, all the way up to obviously installing a board, testing, which is, you know, testing EICIs is probably the, the most difficult thing I suppose you could do in a domestic environment. Um, so, yeah, it's good, mate. But obviously, vastly, vastly, vastly different to working on a railway. Um, well, it's funny you say that. The, 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 problem, the, the problem with the railways is is that uh, deadlines are crucial. Um you're getting a shutdown for maybe, and this is only occasionally, but occasionally you're getting a shutdown. To, uh, you, you've got to have it back up and running for four o'clock, four thirty. Yeah. You miss that, you are in the deep stuff. You know what I mean? So, in terms of that, it, sometimes it, it makes the apprenticeship a little bit longer because um, you haven't got that time to go. Well, if it if it if it if it don't work, it's all right. We'll go back and do it again. It's like no, yeah. you haven't got that. You know, yeah. so we said yeah. very much. And no, shush, shut up. Do this, do that. Fetch and carry it. You do as you're told. And we've got to get this in. Watch, yeah. watch, watch, watch what you're doing, and and uh, learn through watching. And eventually, you'll 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 get your chance. Um, whereas I suppose in the in, 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 when we when we do sort of railway arches or retail retail on the railways, then it's a lot more. It's a bit more. <laughs> in context is a lot more relaxed, you know, you can afford to take your time with the apprentice and, and, and low, showing the ropes. And, and if it, if it has to be done twice, it has to be done twice. It's, it's not, it's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. definitely a time and place, isn't there? Like, like you're saying, and um, it's, it's good for you to be our contract obligations to make sure they're not costing you money, but also good for apprentices not to be put under that pressure of having to pull that job off without ballsing it up, you know, before they're mm. ready. So, you know, well, just... the fines, uh, the railways is just about £150 per minute per train fine I can imagine. Uh, in, in delays. <laughs> so if you're doing a little two-platform station, it's not too bad, but going to Waterloo or Victoria, <laughs> when you've got 27 platforms and and uh, all of a sudden you've got a lot of trains backing up for a lot of minutes. That's, that's getting a bit scary. <laughs> yeah, that money can go very high very, very quickly. Yeah, that's an element that probably a lot of the apprentices aren't seeing or thinking about either, to be honest, isn't it? But having having um, you both having experience of people working either with you or in your businesses um, who might be be younger, there's a lot of employers who've said you know they can't find young people who are motivated enough to to take on these apprentices anymore. Not like perhaps we did in in our generation. The kind of um, almost holding them up has not been the the same ilk, if you like. So I wondered if you two had any experience of that. It's not something I've seen myself. I'm just wondering, you know, 
is there anything you've noticed that maybe young people aren't as engaged as taking on apprenticeships today as they maybe once were? Not for me, not for me. I think a lot of this stuff comes because um, if you imagine sort of, so I'm 34, I grew up at a time when the internet came about when I was at school, for instance. You know, Neil, I guess you've just missed out on that being at school, the internet and the yeah. PC world probably just come, as you just left maybe college, university. If you're in your 40s, you miss that completely. So all of a sudden, these gaming computers and Xboxes and PlayStations 5, and then people talk about that, and you, you think it's a bit of nonsense, didn't you, really? Because they can't, you can't relate to it. And I think that's the missing section for a lot of people, you know, that they, they, they're not, they can't relate to younger people. So then how can you teach someone? It's just, uh, from the apprentice point of view, he's being made to feel stupid for saying, like, talking about Instagram. Instagram? In Instagram? You took, mate, that's where it's at. We know that. You know, PC gaming, playing a game on your phone, playing a game, you do play a game, oh, it's pathetic. Why you can't get a screw? Well, listen, we're, we're in a completely different world now. Um, I think that's the bigger problem, and I think that's what people are saying. So when you get apprentices, they, you know, they, they don't really want it. They're not engaged. They're not this. They're not that. Perhaps you've got to be a responsibility as well to to relate to them, um, to younger people, and appreciate that they've been probably told all for their school life, as you've already mentioned, Neil, that you're not the sharpest tool in the box, you know, so you're going to go and be this. Well, I've never agreed with that. Certainly with being an electrician, I think it's uh, it's, it's not an easy job. Um, maybe you could say it's, it's pretty straightforward to get your goal card. You know, if, once you get there, but as Neil said, and as I've always said, mate, that's just, that is literally the first step of the ladder. When you're an mm. apprentice, there's no ladder for you. You, you. you know, you're not there. Get a go-kart, it's the first step. You start looking at stuff that we talk about now and, and cost, question everything and try and make these regs books make sense of them. Mm. What, 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 what's that talking about? What's this trying to work out cable calculations and all that sort of stuff? You start, you, you start going down a road where you feel like a bit of a uh, a bit of a rocket scientist at times, you know, when you work, work this sort of stuff out. Or even when you're fault-finding the circuit, when you're fault-finding something, you know, when you know that's that's a bit niche because there's a lot of electricians that can't fault-find, let alone normal mm. people, you know. So, yeah, it's it's not, it's not yeah, an I, easy job. I think in terms of... Um... Attitudes. I think that's what we're talking about. The attitudes of youngsters. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always been a bit of a bugbear in mind of how, about how adults of today sort of um, judge the youngsters of, that are coming up because it's all relative. And I guarantee you, the adults that moaned about the youngsters were moaned about by their peers. Yes. And then their peers were moaned about by their peers, and their peers were moaned about by their peers because the generations that's coming up has always got it a little bit better, a little bit easier than the generation before. And that's always going to be the case as far as history goes, you know. So we've got to give um, uh, these youngsters a break. And they are a product of their environment. And um, if they have got a bad attitude, it's probably not their fault. Um, so let's try and change that. You know, there is a tipping point. There is a, a, a point where you go, you know, what well, I've given all, I've given you warning, I've given you support, I've let you do this. I've, it, it, we're, we're running out of options now. Uh, maybe, maybe this is not for you. But... Um, I'd say you need at least two years before you should make that call. Because when you're taking from someone who's never worked a day in their life and then putting them to a 50-hour week and then judging them after six months, that is nonsense. Mm. It is really nonsense. So you've really got to give these kids... And, and they, I know there'll be kids watching this or, or young, young adults and apprentices watching this, 16 through 17, as far as I can, you are a kid. You are still a kid. Um, you can't even go and buy a bottle of beer, you know? So um, I say that word 
carefully. I know it, I don't mean it to sound uh, derogatory. Uh, These the, the youngsters have just come out of school, you know. So we've got to give them time to adapt. To to they've gone from 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 playing playing with kids in a playground to in a adult environment with swearing and, and horrible stories and things they've never probably heard before, you know, and that's going to take time to adapt. And in my opinion, you shouldn't be, ma- no, no responsible employer should be making a decision on an attitude based on anything less than 18 months. Yeah. I couldn't have said that better myself, Neil. That's absolutely spot on. I could totally agree with everything you've just said there. Um, and, and so flipping that, flipping that around a little bit, um, looking at it more from an employer's point of view, so, you know, if, you, if you're taking your first steps, as you would have once done, you know, a few years ago, of actually hiring that first person, that, that first apprentice, and um, you've got all those worries about finding the right person and then, and then paying them and stuff, um, what advice would you give to somebody in that position to make that first step onto sort of employing an apprentice? So, you, you know, you're kind of just at that crossing roads of having the work there to, to justify it. But I know myself, it was, it was a huge step for me. Um, and it's not an uncommon story, I don't think. So I wondered if you had any any tips or your own experiences on that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Well, yeah. I mean, I so so, so sort of the history of. I'll, I'll do a quick brief of where I, I started out on um, a desk in the corner of my mum's room, the front room. That was I. My, that was my first office, right? And it was just me in the van. I was running around, coming home, doing the paperwork, doing what I could, learn as I go. Um, and real graft, really graft. I don't graft like I did then, but then I was grafting. And um, it got to a stage where there's always this nervous attitude in my head of, <sighs> Mark just alluded to it, am I going to be able to pay in it? What if work dries up? What if I don't, what if, what if, what if? Um, and it was all the negative thoughts of what if in my head. I never said, well, what if I can take on double the amount of work? What if I can make double the amount of profit? What if I buy another van? What about if we get two teams working? And it and it's saying, I think, why was I so binocular vision on the negatives of the what ifs and not looking at the positives of what? And I suppose you need to do that by by taking the plunge. And I took the plunge. Uh, and, and and before these two current apprentices, I, I had two apprentices before. They never made it. It was what it was. Um, but we, I took the plunge and I look back now and, I, and, and the same the same things that was going through my head with my first apprentice when I was a one-man band were the same things when I took on my first electrician and the same things when I took on my second electrician. You know, it was that fear, that fear of what ifs it all goes wrong. And I look back now and I think, oh my God, what a crazy mentality I had because that I wouldn't have anything that I had today. I wouldn't be giving the opportunities to the youngsters I had today um, if I didn't take them risks at, at that time. And the risks weren't even that great. I look back now, they really weren't great. But um, yeah, uh, in terms of anyone thinking about taking an apprentice on, if you are currently at your capacity, then it really should be a no-brainer to you. Really should be. Yeah, good, good shout, and I, I, I can fully disagree and support with that. And especially, this is going to get released, I think, in early January. And there still is the grant available for um, employers to take apprentices on until the end of January. So if you are in that position, um, me and Neil have described you well worth looking into that at the minute. Um, but flipping it back onto apprentices again, just, just, just briefly, and I'll chuck this one at you, Rick. If you were giving kind of advice to an apprentice who was trying to get an interview or in front of an, an employer. Um, what kind of 
what kind of thing would you say is, is a good idea for them to be doing? Um, because there's a lot of people saying, you know, I just can't get anybody to take notice of me. Well, what would you maybe say is a, is a good route to get in front of some employer's eyes or find a contractor looking for taking on an apprentice? Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. I, I look at, like, obviously, Morgan Sindel, massive, massive, massive company. But the way they advertise things for positions is mental. It's really bad. It's really bad. So I think if you was in a, looking for an apprenticeship and you went onto a Morgan Sindel site, I think you'd struggle. And I think all big companies are a bit like that. You know, they kind of expect you to do all the work. You know what I mean? It's uh, You go onto their website where most jobs you go onto, Total Jobs or CV Library or that. And then when you do go onto these sites that are meant to get these jobs, you're full of agencies. Um, so it is, it is really hard. Um, I've had a few people call me up um, from when I used to have an electrical company and it's still listed. You know, so hello, mate, you've got any apprentices? You know, you're looking for anyone to take on apprenticeships. I think that's a good way. But I think you've got to, what makes you different to anyone else is start having an interview. Um, so the first thing is finding the jobs. I think that's that's just difficult. I mean, I guess apprentice one-to-one helps a lot with that. If you've created that middle ground, haven't you? And you know how many people do you put into apprenticeships now? It's getting on for 300, mate. And that's something that I mentioned to Sam the other day, that a huge part of that is thanks to, to you boys through EGTE. Um, yeah. And we'll, t- we'll talk about that in a, in a little while. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, it's, um, but it's... yeah, so you've got 300 apprentices where you've had so 300 employers who are looking for apprentices who couldn't find them. And 300 apprentices that couldn't find employers, but the work was there for both, yes. wasn't it? Because it's, so there's 300 positions. That middle ground is is the hardest point. Where do you hear about apprenticeship yeah. positions? Um, I don't see a lot of people are in one man bands as well. Go to the bigger companies. Go to Grat Brothers. Go to, to Morgan Sindels, and you know, uh, go to your local social housing contracts. Because social housing ain't the best work, but it's always there. It's consistent work, and they're always looking for people to do that. Um, but yeah, second to that, obviously having a half decent CV that's relevant to what you're applying for as well, because you've got to remember if I'm if I'm looking at a CV for an electrician and it's it's all jazzed up with with you know all these different computer skills, it's it's all irrelevant. You know, make make your CV relevant. I think um, uh, when you're having the interview, I think I can probably help a lot with that with, with attitude and stuff. And when I'm looking at someone, I don't care what your attitude's like. There's only one thing I really look for. I don't really care what you know either, but you've got to ask questions. So if I give you, I'll probably in an interview, give someone a question of a task that I know is absolutely impossible to answer, hoping that they ask me how to answer that question. You know what I mean? Or where to look for the answer. If you're asking questions, I can always work with it. Because I work with, say, if I tell someone how to do a job, I want to tell someone once. Ask as many questions as you like, but I'm not going to keep repeating myself. If you just turn around and go, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, why not? Why don't you ask questions for it? Um, so it's that, yeah. So once you're in that interview position, think think about the sort of person interviewing you, probably being an electrician, probably quite yeah. proud to be an electrician. You know, something about it. Why do you want this job? Uh, well, you know, mum said it's always good to have a trade. Yeah, but probably not the not the answer I want to be hearing. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> some, sort, some sort of passion from you. Yeah. Um, no, you make yeah. a brilliant point with the apprenticeships, and that's actually a common question that comes in from a lot of people. It's like, what can I do to prepare for for interviews as well? So, you know, if you've got any tips for anyone, um, Rick, any further 
tips you might want to give people down to you know what they might want to wear because I do get questions like that you know should I be wearing a suit or should I be taking in my record of achievement and stuff so I'll this tip is, this one this up perfectly because I can nah, see listen, Neil nodding away this is something me me and Neil and I think Sam and Neil disagree with this as well actually um, should you wear a suit for an interview um, I think it depends on what stage of life wrong you're at. <laughs> you're at for me I'm, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to discredit someone for not wearing a suit to an interview, uh, dress appropriately. You know, mm. don't turn up in your tracksuit, your Nike Air Max. <laughs> Dressing appropriately, that's not going to work either. A, that's a relative. It's relative. What's appropriate for you may not be appropriate for them. Well, that's true. Listen, point. a so, suit is I a think... uniform. It's, it's it's a neutral thing. You've got one opportunity to make a first impression. You know, and um, I really think you 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 can go wrong with anything else. You can never go wrong with a suit. So it's if you true. want to stack your chances as much in your favour, wear a suit. But for some, for some genuine advice here, this is genuine advice, don't wear a suit for your first day at work because I see that happen once. I was <laughs> like, mate, why have you got a suit on? And my dad said I should wear a suit. He was working in a workshop with us. <laughs> he came in, if he's still at school, he's 14, the kid, and he's like... He was oh, doing two him. weeks. He was doing a week in the office and a week in the workshop, and he's in this like three-piece suit, waistcoat, and it's, it's all going on, mate. And he's like, mate, I had to get my overalls. So yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. But I think that's what we come to last time when we said about it. Mm. I'm going to criticise you for not wearing a suit, but no one, no one will criticise you for wearing a suit. It, it, uh, exactly, if they do, yeah, it definitely point. says more about them. So yeah, yeah you're, you're not one to wear a suit. Um, yeah, if you're giving advice, I guess, yeah, why would you not wear a suit? But at the same time, you know, if, you, if you've not got a load of money, you can't go and get a suit, I wouldn't be stressing about it. I wouldn't be going, well, I need to get 150 quid to go and get if you're in that, If you're not in that position to go and get one, um, I wouldn't be stressing about it either. No, and, and uh, this is saying after, I'm, I'm quite passionate about it, really, in terms of I'm quite conservative in my views and I like to conserve these old traditions. Um, and, and, and if we're honest, you're probably going to go to stand in front of an interview or sit in front of an interviewer that is also a lot older than you, okay? So they may well share these sort of views. Um, obviously, that's a complete stereotype, but they, they may do, they may not. Um, but... The simple things, don't turn up with mum and dad. You're there as an adult, and that's happened. I've seen that happen. Turn up with their mum and dad. Um, you're now in the big, wide world. You should be prepared. Um, prepare. And I mean prepare. Know who you're going to work for. Know who you're sitting in front with. Know a bit about the company. Know, know stuff that the company, might, the sort of work they might do. Um, have these things. Have some questions, like Rick said as well. Have some questions. Well, what... What do you do about this? What, what, what does your company policy about this? Think about where you want to be in five years' time. Say your pleases. Say your thank yous. You know, look at the person in the eye. All these basic manners go a long, 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 long way. And if you're going to sit there as a youngster going, oh. Yeah, that, uh, that, don't uh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, what, so, what, so why are you here for? What, what brings you in then? What are you looking to do? Well, uh, yeah, 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 get me like, yeah, I thought it was a good idea to get a job. You know, it's just, don't don't bother wasting everyone's time. Um, I would say as well, sorry, to, to, to add to that, remember it's a two-way street. Remember, don't say, like you said, say your pleases, say your thank yous, be, be professional, but part of being professional is knowing that, listen, they're hiring to get something from you too. 
you know, it's that they're employing you and they're paying you a wage, but they're, they're doing that because they want something from you as well. So ask the relevant questions, make sure it's a long commitment. Apprenticeship uh, is, right. is minimum of four years before, if, if you don't finish with that employer, it's very hard to find another employer and there's certain rules of apprenticeships and stuff. So I'm going to be at this company for the next four years. Is that going to work out for me? Mm. Is this a fit? Is the mm. person interviewing me? Even, because it works both ways. So I've had some terrible interviews. And I'm just sitting there like, what's it? Like, I asked, I went for a job in Sports Direct once, and the geezer was like, uh, I've just finished being an asbestos supervisor. Right? And what's the best thing about working with asbestos? Like, what a stupid question. Because <laughs> when I said money, he looked at me like I was the idiot. So you, you do know, I have to say, you know what asbestos is, mate, didn't you? You know, it kills you. Oh. Like, there's nothing, it's, it's good money, mate. That, why else would you do it? it it's literally, yeah, it's, it's yeah. shortening my life. That's a stupid question to ask. And another one, I went, I went for a job in a call centre. Uh, this was when I was about 18. And I didn't wear a suit, Neil, funnily. And I didn't wear a suit. And That's I went in and it was, the idea was you went onto a website and you looked at a holiday, right? And then once you've looked at a holiday, clicked you're interested, someone will call you up. That was my job. I'll call you up and I'll sell you the holiday. All with call centre, not customer facing. But they asked me why I wasn't wearing a suit. I said, why would I wear a suit? No one's seeing me. What you know, it's, it's not an interview that requires anyone to see me. Said, well, we expect everyone to wear suits because it puts you in the right frame of mind. I thought, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? And if that's if that's a pre a pre requisite of whatever that word is to, to, to the job, put that in the fucking notes so no. I don't turn up and look like a dick. No, but that's 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 the way to weed you out. If you're if you're an employer and you've just been given I've done it. I've advertised for electricians, and I've got over a hundred CVs. Hmm. You've got to whittle that down to five because I ain't interviewing for hundred people. I'm not interviewing twenty people. You know what? I'm not interviewing ten. So ninety of them, I've got to weed out. And you'll be surprised to the things you come across. You go, right? Sorry, it's not you. You doesn't get past the CV level because they've done so. It could be grammar. It could be. Um, it could be a poor CV, like. We go out to CV, get your CV sorted, make it relevant. As Rick said, don't just chuck in a load of generic crap. So, so knowing that, knowing that, so you you get a hundred applicants, you only get an interview five. So you've got to get rid of ninety five. So you're going like this, and you? you're picking it up, bam, bam, bang, right? Picking an extra one up, bam, bam, bang. So how important is it what you put on that first page, the first thing you read? And everyone says it. Um, you got to remember as well, a lot of bigger companies have keyword searches. They keyword your CV before they even look at it. They'll just put, you know, right, we're looking for this, 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 and this. But in Neil's case, looking at CVs, and in my case, yeah, looking at that first page, a CV should never be more than two pages long. I mean, to be honest, if you're sort of 16, 17, one page. yeah, literally. Yeah. Like, I've had CVs sent to me that I'm looking at, I'm going, I don't even know this person's name or their contact details. And I'm going, they've even missed their name and contact details. And I'm going, <laughs> well, guess where that's going? Do you well, like that? What about you know, a cover letter? Just... Do, you, do you like a cover letter? Yes. Yes, yeah. I do like a cover letter. So yeah. personal. And that will yes. that will tip me off a lot. I'll, I will look at that and go, that person's gone a little bit extra than just spamming out CVs. Because some people will just spam out CVs like, and try and send out 500 CVs and maybe get five bytes. Okay. That little touch, and it's a great, it's a great tip there, Rick, is that, is that little touch of... Uh, dear Mr. Bridgman, I noticed yes. you're advertising for electricians. Touch. 
Yeah. Not, not, not a generic cover letter. No, exactly. Cover letter I see you same. advertising for that. I can see you working the rail. And it's something that's really excited me. Uh, I quite like the, the idea of doing the crazy hours that Railway brings. And it really gets... It's yeah, exciting. Yeah, loves that. You know, but, no, but, you know, if you're an employer, I'm going, oh, can he be my long lost brother? I was like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love, it's like, I look at, I look at, that, that is, a, and I can only speak from my experiences on what, on, on what floats my boat, you know, and I'll see something like that on a CV, a decent cover letter. And like I say, don't go war and peace, just a paragraph, four or five sentences max, because you ain't reading after that. If it's like, page i'm not reading on that page you know four or five sentences just a little brief dear mr brisbane or dear mr howe blah blah blah. you know and that will go a hell of a long way probably more than the cv will 100 percent. a cv is a necessity a cover letter something you can put person you can't it's very hard to put a personality into a cv very mm. difficult because it's just a generic thing isn't it you put a lot of personality into a cover letter you can make a person for the person reading it as well these are important things but that's going to make me feel like you know he's Take a little bit of time. He actually wants this job. Mm. You know, he's, he's really taking the time to write a cover letter. Um, that is an absolutely brilliant tip um, with the cover letters on there. I couldn't agree more. Like you say, it's just that personal touch and it's showing that you've actually paid a bit of attention to the job you're applying for. So if there are any apprentices listening, you know, that's a golden bit of advice there from Brick and Neil. And you want to you be paying attention to that and getting your cover letters written. Um, I want to I want to take us slightly into some of the more um, deeper aspects of the apprenticeship system, though, because there's some big questions, and we've spoken about them on Monday Club, and I've asked other people these on this series already. Um, but what what are your two thoughts on kind of how the apprenticeship system set up at the minute? Because you know there seems to be multiple angles where it's failing for me in colleges and with employers, um, and even down to the fact of finding jobs um, at the end of it all so I just wonder what you two thought on the apprenticeship system as a whole you know where, where are you at with it as in right now as today well I think my biggest thing that really does fucking wind me up and it really gets to me is colleges that don't want to pay fucking tutors money mm. so they want you to come out they want you to be apprentice trained yourself so they want time served fully qualified 2391 being able to teach people but you ain't got a teaching degree, so we'll give you 25 grand a year. The fuck are you talking about? I could, you've got to at least pay what I could pay getting on the tools. You know, otherwise you end up people like Gary Hayes, brilliant teachers, only done the job because he hurt his back. Yes, you know, but that's not the truth of it. It's, he hurt his back, so he did have no choice but to become a teacher. Um, that's the only way they're getting good, good teachers in. They don't want to pay any money. And then you've got other colleges that go through this massive routine of, Paying crap, paying crap, getting crap, getting crap, 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 crap. And this has just happened to Jamie because he was at a really bad college. And then they've just taken on a tutor from 100 miles away, paying him a fortune because the free tutors, they were so bad. So why not just, it's mental, mate. When I went, because I was going to go into teaching a little while ago um, and I spoke to Bob Nasida. He put me in touch with a guy called Colin Seabrook um, that was at Havering College. Went really, really, really well. And then when I went there, all the tutors there were like, mate, you've got to have something on the side, mate. You've got to have something on the side. I don't want something on the side, but I want to be a teacher. I'm going, I want to teach this for a little while, you know, and this, this will be my 100% focus. Mate, money's not good enough. Money's not talk me out of it. It winds me up, mate. There's enough money. We know a college, what's, what's an apprenticeship? About 10 grand over three years. I think Gary uh, Hayes had said they get about four grand a year a student, I think. 
So four grand a year per students, 20 students in a class is enough there for a fucking tutor, isn't there? Let's be honest. And they just don't want to pay the money. Really frustrating. Uh, the apprenticeship program as a whole, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's imperfect, but I think it's, it's kind of, you'll get out of it what you put in. I think a lot of education is like that in a way. And certainly now with, with CPD and the stuff we do, you know, it's, it's very much the case, isn't it? The more time and effort you put into learning, the more you're going to get out of it. I think that starts from the apprenticeship. Um, and it's good to get it in your head. And as Sam and me always used to say, is that there's not a better time to get it, to become an electrician. You know, there's, there's, there's not a better time. Now's the time. There's just so much content out there. Mm. There's so much content on YouTube and stuff. And so, yeah, overall, I don't think the the apprenticeship as a whole is in a bad place. Not too bad. Um, but yeah, learning the college part of it is absolutely atrocious. I remember from that four grand per student per year, they only hit college one day a week. Mm. So yeah, you've yeah. got five days a week to fill. That's a lot of money. Where is that money going? It's not going on fucking materials, is it? Because you know, it's like when you're going to college, you've got a board that's fucking 15 years old, yep. a, a different a different breaker to the board that you're using, which we know is a massive no-no, but that's how you're teaching them in college. It's mental, mate. Where's the money going? Yeah, you're spot on, because I've had uh, kids, t- well, not kids, but um, new new apprentices telling me how they're pulling clips out of these boards and cable and reusing it. Reusing next- clips? Yeah, it's <laughs> mad. It's absolute madness. And uh, yeah. you, made a, you made a lot of good points there, Rick, with, with the colleges, and it's something I've experienced with my own apprentices as well. Um, and it's a very common story coming in through apprentice one-to-one that the state of the teaching that they're, they're getting in a lot of places, and certainly... The materials and tools they've been given with to practice with um, while they're there, it's not the best. So, what what do you think, Neil? What's um, your opinion on it? So, look at the system. Um, that's a question: Is the system broken? And um, I don't think the system's broken. I don't think you could do much else with it. So, what is the system at the moment? We're looking at um, two years part one, one year part two. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. That's your, your theory based, your college stuff. And then you're looking up to two. Is it still up to two years for the MVQ? Roughly, yeah. Some of them do it a bit quicker, I think, but generally it's a couple of years. So, and then your MVQ normally overlaps year three, doesn't it? Of your theory. Yeah. So you're looking at four to five years, all right? Um, four days a week on site. So you're only at college one day a week, um, and then at the end of at the end of everything, you do your AM two, which is a bit of a verification uh, to make sure that what you're saying you've done has not been fudged. All right. So the system, I think, is quite decent what you've got is it's really easy to abuse mm. and you've got people with bad attitudes that will abuse that system um i know there's the uh, as sam said uh, the, other, the other day with the uh, you can go and buy an mvq but you know what you can probably buy anything on the black market mm. it's about that person it's not the system you can blame it's about that person um so yeah you can buy these dodgy mvqs but trust me Day one, week one of working with a gold card, you've been sussed, mate. So you it's the age-old teacher analogy. You're only cheating yourself. You're only cheating no one else. You're cheating yourself. Um, so really, these paid-for MVQs are worthless. So they're not cheating the system. They're cheating themselves. Um, and then you've got the employers that need to take more responsibility uh, in terms of they've got these guys for 90% of their time. 80% of their time in a week. You know, why, we, why, why is so much on the college? You know, they're, they're only at the college one day a week, and even that's a seven and a half hour week. Um, so 
yeah, I think we need to, 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 to sort of more more businesses and, and one-man bands need to take more ownership of the apprentices that are underneath them and push them, hold them to account, know where they're at, you know, um, and let them know it's not just my job's done, you're at college, mate. I think one thing as well, one thing that I've been really eager to push, and something else I spoke to Bob about, actually, colleges in the local area, as an employer, you should have a close relationship with a college that you're sending your apprentices to. It shouldn't be two separate entities. If you've got a good relationship with, with, you know, the head of the electrical department, if you want, if you want to just keep it that way, you know, keep it at the top level, it's going to help, and you're going to get proper reports back. You're really going to find out um, on a monthly basis rather than a term basis or even a yearly basis how they're getting on. Um, and I think it's good, especially if you like me. I want to start an apprenticeship program. You know, I've got contract I work on as an aging workforce. There's, a, you know, four people over the age of fifty-five. It's a 15-year contract with four years into it. So, you know, over the next 11 years, we're going to lose the whole electrical team. Yeah. Good to have apprentices, you know. That's that's the kind of the purpose. So if we're going to take on one or two apprentices a year, every year for the next four years, it's got to make sense to have that good relationship with the college. But that's an eight-year programme, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> You're talking eight years. So, yeah. yeah, don't just sort of go, do a little bit of research into the colleges. Um, and it's not desperately hard. It's not desperately hard to find out. If you really want to just speak to someone, just ask Bob. Ask Bob, mate. Bob knows so much about that sort of stuff. It was one email to him. I said, what do you think of this college, Bob? He went, actually, it's not that good, Rick. It's not that good. Go to this one. Sent an email to the college. Introduced me over email. Job done, mate. The geezer is an absolute legend for that. Um, so thank you, Bob. If you are watching, yeah, reach yeah, out yeah, to Rick. Yeah, appreciate I'm sure that, Bob. You'll know if you're watching and you don't got a clue who Rick's talking about, um, reach out to Rick and I'm sure he'll put you in touch. I, I won't. If you're watching on YouTube, Bob might actually comment because he has on the last one. And, he he uh, does that, Bob. Yeah, yeah, he's a true industry um, industry legend, and he's, he's he should be more involved at a higher level. Is my honest opinion. There should be. And he's from my neck of the woods, or well, he definitely lives in my neck of the woods. I think, doesn't he? So, or my old neck of the woods. I don't know, mate. I thought he lived near me. Well, I ain't Bob got a clue. Oh yeah, well yeah, you're not there now, are you? Nah. You can't be much further away. From 29 years, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's, he's, yeah, man, that sort of way. But yeah, yeah. he's a, he often says, why ain't the bigger, why ain't the bigger people in the industry doing stuff, opening colleges and stuff like that? You know, when, when are the IET going to look into it, you know, and look at the trading and, and uh, this and that and whatever. Um, look at Pimlico, they've got some, uh, they got sort of an in-house apprenticeship system, even so far. And all that gets, I guess, is is slagged to the ground, doesn't he? Yeah. Slagged to the he, ground. He's even got a uh, like a motor workshop there, isn't he? They, they hire apprentices to work on the vehicles. It's quite. Um, he's it's got quite a good haircut. Thinking. I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> the local Botox uh, clinic loves him. <laughs> I, I like the guy, but he, he does come under a lot. Yeah, of I like criticism. him as well. Yeah. He comes under a lot of criticism, but he doesn't does all bollocks, does he? <laughs> No, no, it's all, it's, it's, you know what you're getting, don't you? It's as simple yeah, as that. But it's the same way he runs his business, you know. All the all the, all the hourly fees and charges are all on there. It's no, yeah. it's no, it's no, it's no, it's no shadow work or hiding or uh, no. anything like that. It's all it's all clear for everyone to see. You want to earn a lot of money, go and start working in Chelsea. It's already done, wasn't it? <laughs> working Chelsea, <laughs> Westminster, them sort of places. People are going to pay a lot of money for you. It's, it's, it's that simple, isn't it? It's the mm. ideal client situation. So I want to I want to bring this back a little bit towards apprentices now. And this is a question I've asked a few other people as well. If I was to give you both a uh, hundred quid and you were 16, 17 years old, 
about to go into um, college and your first apprenticeship job, what would you be buying? What's the? Don't have to be a brand, but the first if, sort of. What, six, we're going to be so Yeah, so your first Comedy set of tools. Yeah, <laughs> your first set of tools. Let's be more. I'm specific. joking. <laughs> You're I'm joking. Get... I think that's the world we live in now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> To be, you know, honestly, probably not a lot for hundred pound nowadays. Well, what, what yeah, you get for, I don't think you get a fucking bag for hundred pound anymore, can you? Your first, your first set of hand tools, then uh, within a reasonable budget. That you know, it might be within an apprentice's grasp. Well, what, what, what do you need to start? So I can actually tell you. So when we done these apprentice kits, um, we we get to Bob for competition. We built five kits. Each one of them kits was three hundred quid. So it was a CK bag, screwdrivers, whatever. But I think the, the absolute essentials is obviously a set of screwdrivers. Um, I recommend Klein. I don't know if you've used Klein, but they are the best screwdrivers. I was always a CK man, but new Klein screwdrivers are pretty good. Um, make sure you've got a free five in a PZ2 minimum. If you're really going short, you have to get a screw troops. Every what is a 3.5 and a PZ? Well, listen, go and research, Google it. Google what a 3.5 terminal screwdriver is in a PZ2 because they're going to be your nine times out of ten. That's what you're going to. Um, and if you don't need them, you'll make them fit. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, pair, pair, of, pair of cable coppers or snips, depending on... We don't like snips, we know that, but... If the person's training you is using snips, then that's what you're going to start using. But something to cut and strip cable. Um, it's a situation you're in. If you're doing SWAs, you're going to need a hacksaw containment and stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah, 100 quid. Screwdrivers, cable coppers, tape measure, Sharpie. Uh, Sharpie's a good one. That's, you know. Yeah, you've got Sharpie. Proper sparks. Oh, spout level. Spirit level. <laughs> Spirit level. What else would you need? Toolbox Stanley belt. blade. Tool belt. Well, you're not, not for hundred quid, mate. You're gonna have to uh, carry them in a Tesco bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You won't get. A, you won't get a tool bag. I mean, look, you've got a choice. Quid, you? you cannot. You can either get some tools with no tool bag or a tool bag with no tools. You're not getting both for hundred quid. Yeah, yeah. But listen, <laughs> I remember when I first got. I still remember sitting in the living room with my first set of tools. Getting electrical tape and putting around electrical tape. No, I wanted to know what. Bulb. I, you know, I was so proud of my first set of tools, and they were probably hundred quid back then. You know, yeah, you yeah. can do it. Don't worry about name brands. Go and get what you can afford. As any any electrician that's going to have you is going to be grateful that you've got hand tools. They don't care what make they are. So go and get your cheapest that you can afford. Set of screwdrivers, a cheap hammer, um, a little cone chisel, because uh, you're going to be doing loads of chasing out. Don't worry about that. Um, hammer. Um, and if you if you can afford it, a little twenty pound um, tester, voltage tester. If you can afford one, a little cheap one. It don't matter when you're sixteen, seventeen. The brand it's so unimportant. Just go and get what can get you working and get you respected in the workplace. And you can go to very many cheap places where there's like nameless brands and pick up some um, some hand tools for 100 quid. I have no doubt at all. At all. That's some I great think, advice, and it's a very, very common question that I've been asked. Just just one on that, Mark. If, you, if you're taking on an apprentice, yeah, buy them tools. Yeah. Don't let them buy their own tools. And why not work it into a, um, a rewards programme? You know, so well, set them a task every three months. So when someone get, you know, he's been here three months now, he's achieved this. Set your own goals. Right, here's your tool bag. 
three months down the line, is this, is this, and then accumulate at the end where you could get him his own combi drawing impacts or, mm. or something. They'll buy their own tools anyway, but sort something out. So well, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great reason to spend some of that grant money you've got from the government if you're taking mm. someone on. I mean, if you're getting what's it about two two grand? Is it now? Yeah, if they're up to eighteen, you get an extra two grand, and you no. get the existing what's, thousand as well. So it's three to three altogether. So what's 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 five hundred quid out of that? Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Go and kit the kit. I would say, I think they need to learn a bit. So I wouldn't go and kit them out with the best stuff. I wouldn't kit them out with everything. You know, I think it's part of your progression to I sort think of that's work the way towards more. Probably all programs good. You know, as you yeah. go along, you sort of build up the, their toolkit as to what they'll probably be needing at that time. But it is something, something about going out and having your own gear. There is something about it. And if you want to do it and, you, and, you, and your, you know, your parents or your grandparents have given you a little bit of money to go and get yourself a first tools kit, um, don't don't get caught up in the hype that's out there in terms of, um, of brands. At that age, it does not matter. And most of these tools are throwaway tools anyway. The amount of screwdrivers I've gone through. Um, you having your first car, isn't it? You're going to dent it. You're going to smash it. You're going to drop your tools. You're going to break them. You're going you're to use a slotted screwdriver to try and pry that screw out, and it's going to snap. Yeah. And You're going to leave them in a ceiling void or under a floor somewhere and lose them as well. Yeah. Padsaw. Got... You need a padsaw. That's another one. Padsaw is a good one. Padsaw. Yes. Nice but I'll tell you what you should. I'll tell you what you should do. You should work for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then ask the electrician what sort of tools you think I should get. Yeah, what, what do you keep nicking off the other electricians? Yeah. Yes, every <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you'll soon get bored of losing that terminal. Because you've got what you've got to realise as an apprentice, everything that goes wrong is your fault. Yes, that's what I was taught. True. It's your fault. Even if I'd done it, it's your fault because I should know better and I can blame you and get away with it. That's what I was taught. <laughs> My first drill I got, I bought a combi drill. Combi and old Nike had DeWalt combi drill. Yeah, no impact. Cost me pound. That lasted me four and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the boss old big boy? I had a boss big boy. DeWalt. <laughs> Mate. So yeah, when it comes to money, listen, you're going to spend a lot, a lot, a lot of money on tools as an electrician. Yeah, we'll get used multi, to it. Multifunction testers are grand. So yeah. they give you plenty of time to spend money. It's worth saying as well, don't get stressed about it. Most electricians are not expecting you to turn up with tools on day one. Don't stress about it. Concentrate on the on your on your first steps. Concentrate on being early. Mm. Being ready for work in terms of you've got your PPE, you've been you've been issued, you're dressed appropriately, you know. Make sure you're not turning up on day three going on trains like. You know, make that your priority in your first few weeks and then start building your tool. Don't stress about, I've got to spend this money to get a job. Don't stress about that because most electricians are not going to be expecting you to turn up with tool bags. So don't worry too much. In fact, concentrate on getting your driving license. That should yes. be your first goal at 18 or 17. <laughs> if you haven't got your driving license as an apprentice, get that done. Get that that's, done so the geezer working can have a point. So that was a <laughs> That's another cracking tip. I'm just going to pick your brains on, on one more question while I've got your birth here. And it's kind of at the other end of the apprenticeship. And it's another really common question that I'm, I've been asked. And it, it's kind of what you can do to set yourself apart at the end of your apprenticeship. So you're kind of coming out as a qualified electrician. What kind of courses would you be recommending You know, people look towards if it's electrical based or even if it's like... Um, IPATH and, and things like that. What would be your suggestion? Because there's a lot of people who don't seem to be finishing the time and ending up in proper electricians' jobs. Um, quite a few of them are let go, sadly. So they're kind of looking looking towards what they can do to stand out and give themselves a good chance of getting a job. What, what would be your two idea on that? 
I think the, the next stage from qualifying is an electrician, especially if you're going down the gold card electrician route. So obviously, you know, gold cards are only relevant to sites. Don't need them everywhere. Um, but most people will go and get a gold card. Um, the next logical stage for a gold card is to become an approved electrician. Um, so that means 2391 and two years post experience. Um, so I'd be spending a good 12 months getting experience, get your testing going on, go get your 2391, become an approved electrician. That's the, because it's the easiest thing to achieve straight off off the bat. Um, then after that, you've got to kind of decide which way you want to go because it's, it's relevant in different ways. You know, if you want to go and start as a one-man band, um, you, you know, just go, go and do it, really. There's, there's nothing you need to do. There's no, there's no gold of all to that. You know, you need to get good at invoicing and be good with customers and stuff. But if you're sort of a company man, which is the way I'm going, then you've got to be looking at, something that you know I walked away from I've got to get back on next year is joining the IET and getting them professional registration done and, and sort of going down that route that'll make you stand out they won't have you yeah exclusive there Rick's going back I'm sure that's a big backtrack money. I'm sure and to be honest no but we'll save this we're not talking about the IET on here but, my advice yeah. my advice would be apply your trade apply the stuff that you've learned I wouldn't rush into doing any further courses straight away, go and learn to be an electrician. It's like um, you've passed your driving test. Now go and learn to drive. Yeah, you know, you're now quite, now apply your trade. Start getting, start doing, remember, you're, you're, you're like on year one of being left out alone. Mm. How can you start be thinking about doing other courses? You're only just starting to work on your own, mm. you know? So, so apply your trade, get build your confidence, but have, have a plan, you know? Don't just... Um, don't just stay in this never-ending grey area of oh, I'm not developing. Say, look, within five years I want me two three nine one. Within ten years I want me two two three nine six. You know, and, and think about it. It could be two years and four years. It, it, what what works for you? It may well be. You know what? I'm sick of rewires. I want to go and do something in industrial. I want to do something commercial. But remember, if you've done if you've got your gold card and you've just done your domestic, and you've only done a little bit of commercial to get through your MVQ then you're probably going to go into an industry where your your values are a lot less to where you where you're leaving. So yeah, my advice is apply your trade and um, get really, really, really tunnel vision on what you want to do and master it. And then you'll be um, your your value will, will go through the roof. You know, completely against everything you just said. Learn <laughs> some other trades as well. <laughs> because listen, if if you do go out and work by yourself. There's not one person in the world that wants to hire an electrician and a plumber to put a shower in, for instance. You know, so I'm not saying go and do a plumbing course, learn a little bit of plumbing, learn a little bit of plastering. You know, when you chase out a wall so you can Making make it good, good. Yeah. just little things. Don't go, and, these ain't courses. These are just, especially if you work on site, you can pick up little gems of information from other trades just by watching what they're doing um, and, and, and sort of roll with that. I never learned any plumbing until I started doing social housing sparking. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's in terms of sticking a shower in, it's it's quite easy. You know, I'm not I'm not a plumber. I'm not gonna go and do a uh, start central heating system as a gas engineer or anything like that or go and plumb up someone's house, but learning how to stick a bit of pipe onto a bit of pipe and get some water running through it through a shower, these are little things that, mm. that are easy to pick up and you should know. Yeah, those are those are brilliant tips you've both given there across quite a wide range. So if people are still listening to that, I completely conflicting, but <laughs> no, well, it's all good. It's all good. This is all about getting people's honest opinions and experiences, and there's a lot of people who will benefit from it. Um, and just before we want to go, I want to kind of close on um, 
the apprentice one-to-one journey. And Rick mentioned some of the numbers earlier on. And, and I don't say these to burst. That's not what it's about. It's really to make people aware that this is just quite a small thing. And I've, I've had all this, you know, volume of people getting in touch through apprentice one-to-one just to try to highlight the kind of issues that are out there. And, and none of this would really have happened if it wasn't for first speaking with Rick. Um, it was him who I first had a chat with on the phone. I remember it well because I was emergency light testing with a stupid big visor on my face. And we were on the phone for quite a while. And it, it kind of opened my eyes to where this this could go to actually help a lot more people than I was. So there's a big thanks there, there to you for that. And Neil, again, later on, just for sharing all of this on your social media channels and speaking about it on the podcast um, and out in, in industry as well. Um, there's now been over 10,000 interactions across all the social media platforms and the website. Um, there's, you know, there's, I think there's getting on for 4,000 apprentices who've inquired at one time or another for some form of help, not all, look, not all looking for jobs, um, 300 nearly in employment. And I did a little tally up the other day, and I mentioned this on the chat with Sam, but 43 who came through EGTE ended up in actual jobs. So, you know, that's incredible that you guys helped to do that. And, and like I said, it's not not a burst. It's just to try to show that if we're finding that in this this small way, what else is probably going on out there as well? Right. In, in, in a personal achievement here as well, for anyone that's kind of thinking to do this sort of thing, Mark, six months ago, you're not doing this podcast. And I'm you're not, not, uh, you are not sitting there hosting a podcast. Bullshit. Yes. So even, definitely even, not. <laughs> even by helping other people, look where you've came, you know, as your personal journey. So if anyone's thinking, I'd like to do something like that, or oh, don't pay no money, you don't do this, and it, it, it reaps other rewards. We've made probably lifelong yeah. friendships here. Um, 100%. And yeah, I remember it was the WhatsApp, weren't it? WhatsApp Mark versus podcast Mark. And now <laughs> they're two emerging. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, Thank you, but I think it's I think you're being extremely humble. The work you've put in is phenomenal. Um, the hours you work, it's probably not work. The hours you put into it, um, uh, and I'm talking physical time. There's been no automation, not been able to do it. So it's a physical action of Mark having to be behind the scenes, jo- joining the dots, linking people together. Um, you're 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 the the, the star the, the star of the show and uh, you've done yeah I think you should uh, rightly be proud of them numbers well done mate yeah no cheers and 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 thanks to you both for, for coming on and talking about this yeah. so honestly and openly but before you go I want I want to yeah. wish you a happy new year because this will be going out first of January I think and have you got anything exciting coming up through 2021 what you both both got going on where can people find you. <sighs> Well, anyone can just type my name in. Uh, I've got in all the social media when it all started, so there's no silly names like electrician twenty four seven, nothing like that. Just normal <laughs> Neil Bridgman, the bearded uh, spark, that dick, bearded spark. We're just nonsense, isn't it? That's you know, absolute, absolute nonsense. Total nonsense. You can never mate. shave again. I mean, how stupid is that? I don't think I ever would. To be fair, I don't think I ever would. But just, uh, I suppose to um, to jump on this bandwagon a little bit. Yeah, we're going to be doing a podcast called the Electrician Show. That we're going to release some stuff in the new year and it's going to be sort of topical based, um, learning based discussion at a sparks level uh, and see where that goes. You know, it's going to be for us. And um, if someone else gets for, gets something from it, all the best. But yeah, watch your space. We're already on Instagram doing a little bit. It's very difficult. I don't really do much for work, but yeah, we'll start pushing it out on, 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 on the channels just to keep people aware. But yeah, hope you enjoy it. Now that sounds really exciting and uh, me and Rick will be appearing on there with you just to, you know, 
widen the enjoyment. Yeah, of course you do. Well, yeah, a bit, bit, bit of co-hosting going on. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Um, out of hibernation, I guess. Out of hibernation, yeah. that's that's been obviously this hibernating nonsense. Uh, not, not, not more next year. There you go. Yeah, it's been too long with you and both not on a podcast the last few. I've weeks, actually it. really enjoyed this. It's actually sort of triggered the bug again. Yeah, really enjoyed it. So thanks stuff. for the invitation, Mark. Thank you very much. No, no, it's been lovely to chat with you both and giving up your Saturday evening as well. So thanks very much, and um, we'll leave it there. Hope people got some enjoyment of it. Please like and subscribe to the channel. And if you've got any questions for anyone, I'll put it in the show notes of where you can contact Neil and Rick, and you know where the apprentice one-to-one website is if we can help anyone at all get in touch so thank you very much bye now thanks a lot mark tell me see you later